You can save every day by shopping at Whole Foods Market. Seriously, don't just go for the big sales. They have literally thousands of low-priced goods with their house brand, 365 by Whole Foods Market, while at happy prices, limited-time seasonal flavors, and all the quality you expect, like no high-fructose corn syrup or over 300 other ingredients banned from all the food they sell. There's so many ways to save at Whole Foods Market. Now you know. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Grammar Girl here. I usually hate end-of-year reviews, but as I was looking back over the stories that caught my attention in 2012, much to my surprise, I truly thought they were worth reviewing, especially since I haven't talked about most of them in the podcast before. So today, I'll quickly go through the five or six most interesting stories that you may have missed. The first big story that jumped out at me in 2012 was when Harvard University Press published the final volume of the Dictionary of American Regional English in March. It's a huge accomplishment. A series of authors at the University of Wisconsin-Madison have been working on that dictionary for almost 50 years. And in March, they released the fifth volume, which contains the entries from Slab to Zydeco, a kind of Creole dance music. If you love the maps I make showing where people say things like their car needs washed or that an upscale restaurant is spendy, you'll love this dictionary. It's been used by actors to prepare for roles and by authorities to profile criminals based on their writing. If you're a fiction writer, you might find it especially useful for finding words or phrases that give your characters an authentic regional feel. The dictionary itself is pretty spendy, so you might want to check it out at your local library. That final volume of the Dictionary of American Regional English was also just named to Smithsonian Magazine's list of the top books of 2012. The next big story happened in April, when Sweden's National Encyclopedia was updated to include a new gender-neutral pronoun, hen, pronounced just like we'd pronounce the bird's name. A children's book with the translated title Kiwi and the Monster Dog was also published using the hen pronoun. Swedish has the pronouns han for he and hon for she. They struggle with the same thing we do when we don't know whether someone is a male or a female. People in English are tempted to use they as a gender-neutral singular pronoun, and now some people in Sweden have taken a deliberate step to solve the problem in their language by introducing a new word. It's a tough thing to accomplish, but it's interesting that they're trying. Also in April, the AP style book changed its stance on hopefully. I wrote about it back then, but I'll cover it here briefly because it's a big deal. For centuries, hopefully has meant in a hopeful manner. For example, I could describe Squiggly as looking hopefully at the package Aardvark was carrying under his arm. Squiggly was hopeful that it contained chocolate. But people have been using hopefully for quite some time to also mean they're hopeful of something or hopeful that something will happen. As in, hopefully you realize that language changes over time, and hopefully we'll get some snow this week. 
Well, in April, the Associated Press acknowledged this more recent and common use and said it will now be okay for people following AP style to use hopefully in both ways. In August, there was a sad story for people who love Scrabble because a child was caught cheating by palming tiles at the National Scrabble Championship. Stefan Fatsis had a great story about it in Slate, and I especially appreciated that he didn't name the child who deserves to be able to move on from the incident. To me, the most fascinating part was his description of the ways people used to game the game in real life. For example, a long time ago, the tiles were laid out face down on the box instead of being held in a bag. So according to Lester Schoenbrunn, who Fatsis quoted, regulars could spot the blanks, which were lighter than the other tiles because they spent half their time on one face or the other. The story that made me the saddest in 2012 started in June, when Dennis Barron, a professor of English and linguistics at the University of Illinois, wrote a post describing a fake condition he called grammar pedantry syndrome. Unfortunately, many people didn't get the subtle joke and thought it was true. I did a podcast about it in August, and I'm only including it here because the story got worse. At least 10 different highly followed Twitter accounts that tweet facts, and I put that in quotation marks, tweeted just the takeaway. Grammar pedantry syndrome is a form of OCD in which sufferers need to correct every grammatical error, period, without any link to the original joke article. So even if people had originally had a chance to penetrate the academic humor and see that this was a hoax, now it's out there as a fact in the minds of a lot of people. The accounts that tweeted the line had more than 4 million followers alone, and most of those tweets were retweeted hundreds of times by other accounts. So if you heard about this fake syndrome, don't believe it. And if someone tells you about it, tell them it was a joke. In more fun news in June, the sports site Deadspin pointed out that when the Thunder played the Heat, it created a rare intersection of grammar and sports because it was the first time a major championship featured two teams whose names are both mass nouns. We had some language excitement in November when Oxford Dictionaries chose GIF as the U.S. word of the year. They meant GIF as a verb, meaning an animated GIF like the kind you often see on Tumblr, Their example sentence was, he gifted the highlights of the debate. However, the star broke the embargo and published the story early, without complete information. They didn't mention the part about it being gif as a verb, and since gif has been used as a noun for more than 20 years, it had some people, like me, scratching their heads wondering whether the editors had taken a DeLorean ride back in time. And note that the word can be properly pronounced as either GIF or JIF. I spent a number of years as a science writer where embargo breaks were a big deal because they often had financial implications. I never thought I'd encounter an embargo break that mattered in the language field. Finally, I'm always intrigued by court cases that hinge on grammar or the specific meaning of a word. And just a couple of weeks ago, Iris Gray shared a story with me from the San Mateo County Times about the city attorney arguing that or can mean and in his interpretation of the city code, which makes the difference in whether a 7-Eleven store will be allowed to operate in a spot that's zoned residential. The sentence in question talks about what can happen after a non-conforming use, a business in a residential zone, has been discontinued or abandoned. 
It seems pretty obvious to me that the or would mean that either one of those things could trigger the loss of the zoning exception, but two representatives of the city are asserting that or can mean and, and that the exception stays in place unless the previous business has been both discontinued and abandoned. It seems as if the city wants the 7-Eleven there. Sadly, in the article, it seems that all parties thought that common sense would not prevail, and this case was heading to court. My favorite quotation in the article was from a mother at the city council meeting who said, quote, If I tell my son, would you like an apple or an orange, he understands he doesn't get both, unquote. I posted all of these stories to my Facebook page when they happened, so if you want to get the news as it happens, follow me at facebook.com slash Grammar Girl. 2012 was also an amazing year for Grammar Girl, and I hope you'll indulge me as I share a few of the most exciting moments. I was quoted on the front pages of both the USA Today and the Wall Street Journal. My book, The Ultimate Writing Guide for Students, was named a 2012 Teacher's Choice Book by the International Reading Association and I released what will be my last book for a while, 101 Troublesome Words, making it my seventh book in six years. The Grammar Girl website made the Writer's Digest list of 101 best websites for writers, and you can now hear Grammar Girl podcasts on the United Airlines in-flight entertainment system, and those are just the biggest highlights. Thank you to all of you for making 2012 another truly wonderful year. That's all. Thanks for listening. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.